First condo I talked about that I have in the city center of Chicago in the West Loop, which is like the coolest place you'd want to live. I can't, I can't give that condo away. This is the Real Estate Pod. I'm Ed Barone, co-founder of Rent Ready, the platform that makes renting easy for landlords and tenants. With this podcast, we aim to help landlords learn, scale, and invest. We also want to help you tackle the business side of real estate investing because being an investor or getting your first investment requires you to be an entrepreneur. It's about mindset and strategy. Stacy Rossetti is hosting the show today as part of a series that focuses on conversations with the women who are crushing it in real estate. Stacy herself is a real estate investing expert and coach out in Peachtree, Georgia, who specializes in real estate investing, rehabbing, and storage units. Let's get started. Hey guys, this is Stacey Rossetti and I'm here. I'm back with another badass woman real estate investor. This is Mandy and she's coming She's coming live straight from on the road looking for store, looking for uh, real estate investment property. So let's introduce her and let's, uh, let's get going. How are you doing, Mandy? Oh, just living the dream, Stacey. Thank you. And thank you for your flexibility. Yeah. Where are you? What are you, where are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Looking at properties? What are you doing right now? <laughs> well, so actually, actually yesterday I was off, uh, went down to Indy to check out some properties. So I was on the road all day yesterday. And then today we kind of had a uh, mild emergency in my day job with the cardiac implant I sell. So I've got to <clears throat> run and help a few doctors out this morning. So that's cool. No uh, problem. Always on the go. <laughs> That's cool. Always on the go. I get it. So tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me about like, you know, what, uh, like what you do for real estate investing. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, right now I'm at this point in real estate investing that I still have my W2 job. So, you know, I do consider it a, a side hustle, but it just so happens that my last acquisition put my passive income over the uh, edge that I get to just do this job as long as it's fun. So what was your your acquisition? uh, Most recently we took down a 53 unit in Indianapolis as a joint venture. Awesome. Uh, Apartment building uh, class B asset that we plan to, uh, it was was stabilized. It's not a value add. So it's not stuff that a lot of people are looking at, but we um, saw the opportunity for big cash flow, And that's really what my partners and I want out of assets right now. So um, so yeah, it put me up over the edge and now I get to do this day job as long as it's still fun, but so I, tell I me, uh, so tell me about this 53 unit, uh, uh, apartment is who, who's we do you have, what's your team look like? So I could get yeah. about that. So I have, uh, so it's three of us total. So, uh, one guy is my, um, active partner. He's a oh. broker in Chicago, a commercial broker in Chicago who, uh, went into acquisitions over the course of the last few years. So mm-hmm. his uh, skill set and mine are kind of complementary. He is just a real badass when it comes to the thrill of the chase for finding deals because that's that's what he's done in brokerage for so long. Okay. And then our third partner is um, a, a primary equity partner who is he's he's an incredible investor. He's just kind of new-ish to apartments, so he wants partners to you know, help grow that part of his portfolio. Oh, I like it. So you're, and what is your job? Yeah. So I, I do a lot of the due diligence with everything. I do a lot of conversations like this. I talk with uh, new investors because our next step after these couple joint ventures is to move into syndication. So I work with uh, people who want to passively invest 
to, you know, help them figure out what types of assets make most sense for them. Tell me how, um, tell me like how you got into this, into real estate investing. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's funny how just like you go down the rabbit hole and then you just keep going, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, actually, so I was, uh, when I was like 19 years old or something, I was at a party in college and my friend was talking about how her dad bought the house and she was renting out rooms to our friends, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, and you get to keep the money. You get to keep the, that's the best idea I've ever heard, right? <laughs> so that was kind of the initial thought. But then, um, you know, a lot of learning, a lot of time, the 2008 crash happened. Um, and I didn't end up buying anything until, for the express purpose of investment until 2016, mm-hmm. which happened to be a fourplex. And I realized, oh my goodness, there was this immediate scale having done you know, something with multiple doors. So that's what kind of what bit me with the bug of let's, let's go into multis. So, so have you always done multifamily or what is the, yeah. What is your path been? It hasn't been my intended path. I started, uh, I ended up wanting to invest and everyone, you know, said, you know, you need to buy your own place to live in before you invest in real estate. And I listened to all of those voices, right? But I lived in downtown Chicago. So in order to buy a condo, saving up from a college kid that, you know, didn't start with anything, um, I bought a $400,000 condo because that's just what you do in downtown Chicago, intending to kind of, you know, the market was going up. Uh, let that be something that I can move out of, put a renter in and rinse and repeat kind of the burr method. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, the, the market didn't support that. So I, I stayed in that condo, ended up moving out 2014 and then went on to start making purchases. It turned out that that first purchase was a fourplex. So it was kind of accidental. It wasn't an intended path, but it's, it's all for the best in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your first your first real investment purpose uh, purchase was a fourplex outside of the one that you were living in. Yep, exactly. Okay, good, cool. So now and then from there you just like you just started growing into like bigger uh, bigger multifamily units or or how, what was your path? So actually, that four unit, I ended up speaking with a man. You know, I was so nervous to do it. I ended up speaking with a man who. Um, was a pretty seasoned investor and said, you know, Hey, is this something you do? And over a call, he said, Oh yeah, I would do that, you know, six days a week and twice on Sunday, you know? So that convinced me that I, I loved having kind of that sign off and I asked him if he'd ever coach and then he started coaching. So then I I hired him on as a coach and found the power of how, you know, residential versus commercial, the, how things are valued off of a net, a multiple of net operating income and ended up doing a six flex by myself and then some other small stuff by myself, uh, bought into a syndication of 130 units and then did this uh, 53. And actually just yesterday, we decided that we're going to put a letter of intent on the 54 unit that we saw in Indy and an additional 30 that we happened to come across having been down there. Where are you located? I live in Chicago. You live in the Chicago, Chicago. But, you, yeah. but you invest in Indianapolis? Yeah, exactly. Yep. I okay. do not care for our politics or our taxes or I just, I don't think, I don't think we're a well-governed state in my opinion. It's a governed, it's, I mean, it's a very expensive place to live. That's for sure. Oh, goodness. And the yeah. taxes are just yeah. bananas. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. And so, yeah, that's so funny because I was just talking to uh, another like a real estate investor, a female real estate investor. She lives in Denver and she oh. invests in Indianapolis. Hmm. So there must be something going on with Indianapolis. What is that? Yeah, well, I'll, I mean, there's a number of markets that get a lot of uh, spotlight shown on them. And it's it's a function of job growth. It's a function of GDP growth. It's a function of, you know, it's, there's a wide diversity in employers. You know, they've got pharmaceuticals, they've got medicine, they've got manufacturing, they've got a ton of jobs that will require workers for the long term. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's a place that's in the middle of the United States. So it's not sexy or, or, you know, exciting, but it's, it throws off some really good cash flow. So if you're interested in a cash flow market, Indy is a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is how, this is like how the Southeast is as well too. I think kind of the center of the United States and the Southeast are like, the places that you should be, but a lot of people don't want to be in those areas because they're boring. They're boring. Exactly. I had a conversation with a high net worth guy. He's like, oh, it's indie. What's in yeah. indie? I'm yeah. like, lots of cash flow, bro. Like, let's look at the numbers, you know? And I, I think that kind of physically being where I'm located, I like the Southeast too, but you know, Indy's a two and a half hour drive for me. And my, I have family who live there, my, my yeah. younger brother and his family all live there. So it's, it's a nice little, you know, first market, but we do plan on kind of broadening our scope here in the next couple acquisitions. Well, let's see what happens with like the next couple of years too, because you never know what's going to happen with like, you know, where the hot spots are going to be over the next couple of years. You don't know. Yeah. It's, it's all just a projection. And I, I do think you know, so economics is what my master's is in. And I have a Sunday morning mastermind with some like ec- economist friends and what kind of my takeaway, like ideas that I think are going to happen. I think these big cities, I think we're already starting to see it in like Manhattan. You cannot give away property in Manhattan. And that first condo I talked about that I have in the city center of Chicago in the West Loop, which is like the coolest place you'd want to live. I can't, I can't give that condo away right now. So the exodus from city center into these kind of secondary or tertiary markets, I think is here. It's a catalyst for something that will be moving. Exactly. Especially now with all that's going on with like COVID and everything, like people just want to leave the cities. They want to live out in the middle of nowhere next to, next to nobody. Exactly. Which is Indianapolis. Boring and perfect, you know? Yeah. So um, so tell me about how do you find your money for all the, the, your multifamily? How do you get your equity partners or how do you do all that? Yeah. So I really started all doing it on my own, you know? Okay. And uh, I found that, you know, the, the idea of what a value add is, is if you increase NOI and then you refinance and pull some money out. I did that with other small multis just for myself, which mm-hmm. is super powerful. And you kind of own all of it, you know, so I don't, I don't want to thumb my nose at all. Many multifamily investors will say, Oh, a four, a six, not worth your time. But you know what, with the first fourplex I did, because we repositioned it as a, you know, an investment property for students, Mm -hmm. it appraised after three years time for 50% more than I paid for it. So I pulled out that cash and that, that ended up helping go towards subsequent acquisitions. Um, But in the partnership piece, Um, we found a high net worth guy who wanted to get in. And I, you know, a big part of that was my relationship with my partner and uh, the multifamily meetup that we run out of Chicago. 
Oh, yes. Okay. So that's good that you brought that up. Cause I'll say, you know, a lot of people ask, how do you find all your partners? Guess what? I started a group like what, eight, nine years ago. And that thing mm-hmm. has led to many, many, many different kinds of deals and stuff. So mm-hmm. for you as well, right. You have your little yeah. group that you have. Yeah. So the, the meetup has been incredible and I'm also finding, so I believe very much in this women supporting women thing, mm-hmm. uh, so much so that a couple of friends and I started a group that we call uh, aspiring women achieving more. And it was really just kind of a whole life. Let, let's inspire each other, lift each other up, but it's turned into a lot of women want to know about investing. And I just learned Stacey that 80% of all investment dollars are controlled by women. And we don't talk about money and we don't take the chances and we are far more pragmatic than our our male counterparts, generally speaking. So I I think that this is really cool what we're doing to to make that known now. And I think I think over the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot more. And that's why that's why we're showcasing, you know, women investors right now. And we will be doing the Badass Woman Real Estate Investor uh, Summit next year. So Uh, I'm that. I hope so. Please remember me. I want to be part of it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, okay. So real fast, um, like I, so talk a little bit about, you know, uh, being a woman and being a real estate investor. What have you seen over the past, you know, over the past couple of years that you've been doing this and now, what do you think some changes are going to be? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think we're so incredibly underrepresented in real estate investing and especially the commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. you know, especially the commercial stuff, you know, I, I guess, you know, so I, I was a, I was a college athlete and then I worked on the floor of the board of trade. And then in medical sales, I've played in all of these boys clubs, yeah. you know, economics. I was the only woman in my program for some time. So I, it, it's not a weird thing for me to feel like kind of the token girl. Um, but I, I get how that's totally, that feels weird and intimidating, but one interesting kind of thing that I've, I've mindset I've taken on is, uh, you know, if you can either choose to look at that like a disadvantage or you can look at it like a competitive advantage because in some of the circles I run in, if people say, who is a female multifamily investor, they only know like two. So I make the list no matter what, you know, Uh, I'll tell you, so we did a mailer that you're thinking about how do I make this a competitive advantage? And if I have these off-market sellers with, or deal sellers with uh, potential off-market deals, how do I get them to remember my postcard rather than the 47 other postcards they're getting? So what I did is I took a picture of my kid picking his nose and it says, when it's time to sell your apartment, pick us. (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. Did that work? When we call ourselves the cash flow moms. So uh gosh. <laughs> oh, I it's a, love it's a that. very long story. And we made we made like the most rookie mistake ever because it was right when I was starting out in the whatever going pro stuff. My my business partner, we put her cell phone on it and um we wrote down the wrong number. So oh, we Oh, no. It's the universe worked out for us. It was obviously we weren't meant to take something. Down That's all good. We're learning. We're all learning. Oh, how funny though. But I mean, it's good to know that people make bonehead mistakes and still find success. Yes. But I love that you always, they're thinking outside of the box, especially with the marketing stuff, because if you want to stick out with 47 other people that are sending letters and you need to, you need to figure out how you're going to stick out. Exactly. And yeah. a kid picking his nose, it's pretty cute in my opinion. That. And actually, so uh, and uh, one more kind of plus one on that, I was able to pay him like $10,000 as my model. And then I stuck oh, it yeah. in an iron and I didn't have to pay taxes on it. So. Yeah, we do this for our daughter too. How old is your son? 
four. Oh, I have a four-year-old. It's a daughter. Oh, a daughter. Yeah, her name's I Lily. Love it. Oh, yeah. Lily and Duncan, maybe we should talk arranged marriage. Well, so, well, <laughs> and she, like, we, you know, we own storage facilities and our storage facilities are called Ms. Lillian self self Oh, that's Yeah, so they're named after her and, and they're all going to be for her because that's yeah. the goal. But, uh, but we did the same exact thing. We started the Roth. I mean, it's hers, you know, yeah. so we might as well pay her, right? So Ms. Lillian yeah. pays her as I an employee. It. Yeah, so which is awesome. And that's yeah. so funny that you brought up with the multifamily, like the smaller, kind of the smaller facilities, because um, like we do, we buy smaller storage facilities and like mm-hmm. all the big, you know, the big people in the storage world, they're just like, why would you do a smaller one? That's like pennies, you know? And I'm thinking to mm-hmm. myself, like, we're making some good money. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't understand a lot of time, like people will go out and they'll want to spend like whatever, two to five or $10 million on some facility or, and, and they're only in the long run over the course of the years, they're making like 500 grand. And I'm thinking to myself, I could spend two or $300,000 and make a couple hundred thousand dollars. So why spend yeah. like millions of dollars making the same amount of money when I could make, I could do that with like little tiny amounts of money. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things, nuggets in there that I've come to the re- realization of. I mean, there's some people out there that have a problem that's different from ours. There's people out there that have a yeah. hundred million dollars they need exactly. to deploy. Yes. So to mess around with the hundred thousand dollar layoffs are, are not something that's interesting. They need to place a big chunk. Yes. But I'll also say that, you know, in this world of, you know, go bigger and I have this many doors and that's kind of the thing that we measure, you know, I, I mean, I think you make a completely different purchase choice. If your goal, the one thing that you're pushing towards is number of doors rather than amount of cash flow. What's yes. the one thing that shapes your your opinion? That's what I say is exactly. People are like, how many doors do you have? How many square? In the storage world, it's how much square footage do you have? And I'm like, what does that even matter? Right. The question is, right. how much am I keeping at the end of the day? Yeah. Well, and if you're really, indicating that square footage, you know, you could, you could have, you know, 2 million square feet. But if you only own 0.01% of that, you know, exactly how much cash flow are you squeezing out for you? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And a lot, I think a lot of people, a lot of people really need to realize that. So it's a good point that you brought that up. It's like, it's not about how much, it's about how much you keep. It's about, it's about your cash flow. What are you bringing home every single day? Yes, mm-hmm. which is true. Awesome. Cool. Okay, good. Any final tips, anything else you want to say to everybody that's listening, women or men? You know, um, one thing, I, this idea of financial freedom is such a nebulous one, right? Like you, you don't, you could say there's so many different levels, right? There's, you know, I own a Cardone private jet or there's, I know my mortgage is going to be covered or, you know, so the idea to wrap my brain around how much do I need in order to meet differing levels of financial freedom was so interesting to me. And I couldn't find anything that could help me figure that out. So I made a little calculator. So if anybody wants to kind of help estimate as a real estate investor, how many doors or whatever you need in terms of cash flow in order to achieve differing levels of financial freedom, uh, I posted a thing on mandymcallister.com that might help you get your brain around it. So I love it. Okay. So if anybody wants to check that out, just go to her website, mandymcallister.com. Thanks for listening. We're so grateful to be able to learn from these active investors, entrepreneurs, and all-around amazing individuals who want to share their success with you. 
The real estate investing community really is a unique community to be a part of. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can rate or review the podcast in whatever podcast app you're listening to. It would mean a great deal to us to learn what you like, what you don't like, and even questions we can answer on your behalf. You can also subscribe to The Real Estate Pod on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 